All right, let's look in Matthew tonight, Matthew chapter 7. I'm glad I'm saved. I sure am glad I'm on my way to heaven, and I thank the Lord that it, as a seven-year-old boy, God saved my soul. I wasn't, I wasn't born first birth. I wasn't born saved. I had to get saved just like everybody else has to get saved. And uh, born in a Christian home, Christian mom and daddy, but I had to make that choice for myself. And uh, sure, I'm glad a preacher preached to me and glad that God dealt with my heart that night under a little uh, tent right out here in the field over next door at Camp Pigney Baptist Church. I swear I'm glad an independent Baptist can get saved at a Southern Baptist Church because that's what happened. I got saved. I got saved at a Southern Baptist Church. Southern Baptist revival meeting. Boy, I bet that's almost unheard of these days. But, hey, the Lord can still work. The Lord is still willing to work. So I appreciate it. I sure am glad I'm saved. Tonight I want to try to preach to you a little bit. If my voice will hold out, I want to try to preach to you a little bit about how to build a house, how to build a house. And so we're going to take a look here in Matthew chapter 7. Let's look in verse 24. The Bible says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came. And the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one, of, every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. I always think verses like that are very funny because the Lord's throwing a little jab in there at those scribes and Pharisees. So I always think stuff like that's real funny. But I got a twisted sense of humor, as you know. So anyways, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us tonight. And Lord, we do thank you, God, for allowing us to be here. God, thank you, Lord, for the singing. Lord, thank you, God, for folks showing up, God. And Lord, pray that you'd help us tonight as we gather around your book. God, as we open it up, Lord, we pray that you would break the bread of life to us, God, and help us to understand some things, Lord, here this evening. God, help you, Lord, pray that you'd help me, Lord, to say the things that you put on my heart and mind. And, Lord, put a couple of notes here on this piece of paper, Lord. I pray you help me to say everything that needs to be said. And, Lord, just uh, trust you, Lord, with whatever comes of it, God. Lord, we know that you're a powerful God, Lord. You're a trustworthy God. And, Lord, we know ultimately, Lord, that, Lord, we're your people. We belong to you. And, God, you have undertaken, God, the responsibility of leading us and directing us and guiding us, Lord. And we thank you for that. And, Lord, we pray that you do that thing for us here this evening. God, lead and guide us. And we pray through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. How to build a house. How, how to build a house. Let me give you a little definition here. The, uh, I almost said the Bible, but the Bible doesn't say this. Webster defines a house. He defines it as several things, but one of the things that he defines a house as is a building or edifice for the habitation of man. You say, Brother Nathan, you really didn't have to read that definition because we know what a house is. I know, but there's a wonderful word in there that I'm going to come back to, I think, towards the end of the message, and it's that word edifice, which is also where we get our, our word edify from. Uh, when we talk about we're to edify one another, we, what we're really saying, the definition of the word edify really means to build up, to exhort. 
And so we'll come back to that here in just a second. But I just want to read that to you, and hopefully you'll bear that in mind. He says it's a building or an, evident, an edifice for the habitation of, man, of men, of man. That's where you live. If I said, I want you to take me to your house tonight, which I'm not going to say that unless you got good groceries on the stove. Uh, but if I said, take me to your house, you're going to take me right down there where you spend most of your time if you're not working. Uh, where, wherever it is that you dwell. Uh, I used to uh, go, I went to barber school down in Jacksonville on University Boulevard. And, and most of the guys down there uh, was black. And the thing that they would say, the way that they would say it is, where you stay? And that's right. That's, I mean, they got a, a way of saying it, but that's, that's true. I mean, when you're talking about where you live, well, what's your house, where you stay, where you stay at, man. And so that's, that's what your house is. That's what your house is. I think some of y'all embarrassed because I talk that way. I was just telling you what they, what, what they said to me. You say, well, Brother Nathan, a house is, you know, two by fours and lumber, obviously, and shingles. and Well, it is, but take your Bible and look in Joshua, Joshua chapter 24. That's not the only thing that a house is termed as in the Bible. Look in Joshua 24. Now, some of you probably got this verse on your wall. If you walk in my office, I got this verse hanging on a piece of wood that somebody carved out from my mama and daddy, and they gave it to them, and my mama gave it to me. I don't know if she told my daddy she gave it to me, but it's in there nonetheless. He probably don't even know it's gone. Uh, but Joshua 24, and look in verse 15, the Bible says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my what? We will serve the Lord. Uh, so he's not talking about I'm going to get my walls to serve the Lord. He not, he's not saying, you know, I'm going to get my, my linoleum tile to serve the Lord. He said, me and my house. Uh, the Bible also puts it in the book of Acts. Uh, one fellow, a Philippian jailer, he asked Paul, he said, uh, what must I do to be saved? And he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy walls. No, he said, it's your house. He's talking about the people that live in there, Right. And so when we talk about your house, we're not necessarily talking about the place where you stay. Uh, when we're talking about your house, and, and it can mean that. Uh, that's one of the wonderful things about the English language. You've got to pay attention to how people say things in the context in which they say them. And don't be like Brother Mike said, a Democrat, and take things out of context. So you just you listen to what people say. So sometimes it means, you know, where you stay, the physical building. But sometimes it applies, it's talking about people. Your house is talking about people. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I, I really like this verse, by the way. This, this verse here in Joshua 24, he says, As for me and my house, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, that kind of seems a little pussy, don't it? How you know? How you know? Uh, how many of you got a wife? I, 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 I take it that all only fellas will raise their hand. How many of you ladies got husbands? All right. How many of you got kids? As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. How you know, Joshua? That seems kind of pushy. I don't know why it got a little quiet there. I'm just saying, you know, according to the modern mindset, you know, you can't make people serve God. But Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Uh, we're not, we're not going to be serving Buddha. We're not going to be serving, you know, Confucius. And we're not going to serve Muhammad. Those are gods which are no gods. 
He said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You make up your mind who you want to serve, Joshua said. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Well, you know, Brother Nathan, you can't really cram things down people's throats. Well, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't. Although I do believe at times you have to cram things down people's throats. That, that's true. I, I really do believe that. Uh, which that's what Hollywood's trying to do anyway. They're trying to cram their religion down your throat. So I recommend trying to cram the right religion down your children's throat. And, and listen, really, I, I say cram it down their throat. Really, all you have to do is just set the example. Just, just live right in front of them and offer some correction. Give some correction, I should say. Sometimes you can offer correction. Sometimes you'll have to give it. It won't be welcome. You'll have to say, hey, no, you're not. We, we don't do that around here. And, and you'll, you'll have to do things that way. And I believe that'll go a long way towards, I know it'll go a long way towards building your house, but I know it'll also go a long way to ensuring that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yeah, but Brother Nathan, when, you know, when the kids hit 18, you know, they'll, they'll dart for the door and they won't ever come back. Well, maybe so. But don't, don't, and listen, I, we, I'm going to talk about some things I think that could help us with that. But I will say this, don't, don't, don't uh, pave the way for people in your house to hit the door and never look back and never come back just because you was afraid of being a little bit too straight and narrow and being a little bit too hard. I, I think a lot of times, folks, I know, I know, uh, folks get a little bit scared. They get a little bit nervous about being a little bit too straight and narrow and afraid of, oh, if I do this, folks is not going to accept it. And really, I, I believe with all of my heart, folks are looking for a lot more direction than we give them credit for. I, I believe that with all of my heart. Uh, I believe your kids are looking for more direction than you really give them credit for. Uh, you husbands, I believe your wife is looking for more direction than you give them credit for. I, I know there's times in my life to where, you know, I don't live with my parents anymore, but a lot of times I come up against things and I'm looking for direction. And that's a lot more, that's a lot more often than I'd like to admit, just quite frankly. So if I'm that way, I just take it for granted that there's a lot of people in life that exist and they're saying, boy, I really wonder about this. Well, help folks out with that. Help folks out with that. Uh, a lot of folks get wrapped up into all kinds of things in quote unquote Christianity and it's not Christianity at all. But they get wrapped up in that stuff. And the way that they get wrapped up is that a preacher is afraid to offer direction because they think if I offer this direction, boy, it's just going to scatter the flock. But it's not. It'll actually bring folks in. It really will. I think folks here, I think you've seen that. I know that you've seen the effect. I know I have seen the effect of when preachers don't offer direction. They don't say, hey, this is right. This is wrong. And what happens to a place like that? And, and this, let me just say this. This is a house, by the way. It's God's house. And listen, that applies both ways. This brick and mortar, I, I know that a lot of folks, oh, this is not the church. I heard a preacher say that not too long ago. Love the preacher, not mad at him about what he said. I just disagree with him. This is, this brick and mortar, this is the house of God. I do believe you should treat this place differently then you treat your own, your own house. I really do believe that. This is, this is God's place. This is where God stays. Uh, you want to look at it that way? Uh, I think that's pretty funny. Sorry. Uh, excuse my poor sense of humor. But anyways, this is, this is the place where God stays. Uh, but the people that's in here, this is the house of God. 
This is the people that God lives with. This is the people that God dwells with. And so I think a lot of folks are looking for a lot more direction than we give them credit for. But here in Matthew chapter 7, he says, here's one fellow who builds a house and here's another fellow who builds a house. And you know what the ultimate result of those things are. One fellow's house goes splat like the walls of Jericho. And both of them face storms, but this other guy, he, built, he, he digs deep. In the book of Luke, this same parable is given, and he says, this fellow digs deep. He digs deep. He, he goes below the surface, and he builds his, he, he finds him a rock. He finds him a stone. I read in my Bible today in the book of Psalms, and David looks up towards heaven and says, God, you're my rock. Yeah. Yes, sir, you're my rock. And so in the book of Luke and in Matthew chapter 7, he says this fellow digs deep and he finds him a rock and he builds his house on that rock and the storm comes just the same way it comes for the foolish man. Trouble comes to all men just alike, ain't that right? Uh, just because you say you're not going to evade trouble, you're not going to evade storms, you're not going to evade tribulation. In this world, ye shall have tribulation. That's just a fact of life. But... If you build on the right place, hey, listen, that, that statement, you're going to have tribulation, that don't just apply for your personal life, that applies for your home. I'm talking about the place where you stay, the people that you dwell with. You've got little babies that gathered around you. Fellas have wives and you wives have husbands. You've got all kinds of stuff going on down there. There's going to be trouble. Did you know that? There's going to be trouble. Uh, sometimes your kids are going to do things that really, really bother you. And I'm not just talking about things that get on your nerves. I'm talking about things that break your heart. Yeah. Let your kids come up one day having taken something that don't belong to them. Yeah. That break your heart. Yeah. Let your kids lie straight to your face. Yeah. And you know they're lying. Or maybe you just suspect that, boy, that kind of stuff will break your heart. And you know what? Brother Clint, you could pull off your belt and you could wear the rear end out. And I, I believe with all of my heart that a lot of wearing out should be done. I'm not talking about abuse. But discipline needs to be given in situations like that. But you know, at the end of the day, what has to be changed is the heart of that child. Yeah. Now, boy, that's a, that's a frightening aspect, is it not? You know, Brother Curtis, I can take my belt off and wear out all three of my kids, but at the end of the day, I can't change their heart. And boy, that's really, that scares me. Boy, and I've had that conversation with two of them. I haven't had the conversation with the youngest one because I don't think he quite understands yet. But I have had that conversation with my two oldest ones because it scares me to death. I can show them the right way, and I can cram it down their throat while they're in my own house. I can, and I feel like I have to. I feel like I must. What's the other option? What, what, what's the other option? Just let them do what they want to do? No, I can't do that. Hey, if I got one kid that goes astray, I still got to keep things right on track for the other two. So, I, in a sense, I have to cram it down my kids' throats. But, boy, you know, I, I'm not looking to get rid of one and keep the other two. I'm not looking, looking to get rid of two and keep one. As much as in me is, I want to take all of my kids, not only to heaven with me, but I want to take them with me to heaven and they be right with God. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about building a house. How do we build a house? Well, let me say, first of all, you've got to have the right foundation. You've got to have the right foundation. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 
The place where a lot of folks go wrong in trying to build a house is they build on the wrong foundation. You say, what do they build on? Well, I mean, you just fill in the blank. But let's look at the right foundation first. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3 and look in verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 10. The Bible says, according to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth there, thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid which is Jesus Christ. You know what the greatest foundation for your home is? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, I I can't think of a better thing to do around my house and around your house. Of course, I can't do it for you. You have to do it. But I can't think of a better thing that you could do than just make Jesus Christ the focal point of everything that you do around your house. Uh, Listen, you fellas, I I believe you can bear... bear, witness with me. I know that's not really the best way to say it, but you could, you could agree with what I'm getting ready to say. Your house is your castle. Ain't that right? Somebody come in and start barking orders at your house. You get defensive real fast and rightfully should. That's your house. You got, you got the right to make those decisions down there at your house. Don't need some. I'm talking about just another fella. I'm not talking about some lady. I'm talking about another. That's your house. That's your, your wife, your kids. Those are your people. You have the right to do those things. But I, I tell you, listen, I can't think of a better thing to do than to forego a lot of the things that you prefer and say, Lord, what do you prefer? Yes, yes, sir. You know, a lot of my preferences have not always been God's preferences. And when I say preferences, God's preferences, I say that tongue in cheek because God's preferences are not the issue. It's God's statements, God's commands, God's direction. And listen, you, we, we cannot expect to raise families, to have families that are centered around the Lord when you create an atmosphere in your house that's centered around you. Now, you say, Brother Nathan, you're taking away from the order of the home. No, no, you just hang tight with me. We'll get there here in just a second. And you'll probably really enjoy that portion of the sermon. But right now, what I'm talking about is having the right foundation. You've got to have the right foundation. You can't build a home on something other than the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, Brother Nathan, what about all these lost folks? What about them? What about them? Uh, That's no threat. Listen, you go find a lost man who has a good home. You know where he got all of the elements that make up a good home that he has? He got them from Jesus Christ. He got them, they're, they're leftovers, they're remnants from Christianity. He's rejected the God of Christianity, but what he has, if a lost man has a good home, really what he has is a home where he's applied Christian principles. He took what he learned from God. He took what he learned from the Bible. You say, well, that fellow's never read a Bible. He probably had a mom and daddy that did, or he had a grandma and grandpa that did. See, he got it from God. You can't have a good home. Without the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not possible. You say why? Because God made the first one. Who put Adam and Eve together? I know they went out on dates, didn't they? Trying to find the right one. No. No, God made them. I mean, not hard to pick your wife when it's only you and her. Uh, I'd marry you, Eve, if you were the only one in the world. I am the only one. Oh, uh, that don't make for very good romance, which... See what I'm saying? Uh, The Lord is the one that put those folks together. The Lord's the one that put those two folks together. You're going to have to build on the right foundation. You can't build a home 
on a successful career. Listen, I, I hope every single one of you have as successful a career as you want, uh, which you've got to want it. If you want a successful career, if you're going to have one, you've got to want it. Uh, but that's not what makes a good home. That's not what makes a good home. Uh, you're not going to build a successful home on good looks. Fellas, young ladies, y'all listen. I'm going to wait for y'all to get done taking notes. Y'all look up here and listen to me real close. Good looks don't make a good home. I say this. Happy marriages, happy weddings don't make successful marriages. Yes, sir. That's a God's honest truth. There come a day, there come a day. Uh, probably about 40 years from now where y'all going to get married. 40 years from now. Uh, so I, I didn't think any of them caught it. Maybe it's just the fact that y'all teenagers and a little slow on the draw. Uh, but there come a day about 40 years from now you're going to get married. And listen, you can have the most wonderful day on your wedding day. But that doesn't mean that that's going to be a successful marriage. The place where it's going to be successful is if you build on the right foundation. Brother Nathan, we've been raised in church. We know this stuff. I know, but it it would do you well to to check up on that from time to time. Good looks is not going to build a successful marriage. Listen, I'm not talking about personal preferences. You know, you like who you like and whatever. But I can tell you one thing. You can get real distracted with how smooth she talks and with how well he talks. You can get distracted with that stuff real fast and let the real things that matter just go by the wayside. Uh, listen, some fellas, they've made it their goal in life to marry legs. And you know what they got? You know what they got, Brother Clint? They got legs. Ain't that, that's straight talk, but that's a God's honest truth. Uh, some fellas or some ladies, some girls, what they married was a smooth-talking fella. And you know what they got? Talk. That's all they got. Uh, they didn't get a fella who knew how to pr- make a living. They didn't, they didn't get a fella who knew anything about how to pray and get prayers answered. They just got a fella who knew how to talk. And that, that doesn't make, that does not build up a, a, a good home. It doesn't make a good home. Uh, prosperity. Prosperity does not make a good home. Uh, you know it as well as I do. Especially those of you folks that are close to my age. I'm 35 years old and I still feel like I'm a young person. I really do. Uh, But Lord have mercy. One of the greatest mistakes that people my age make and 20 year olds. One of the greatest mistakes that they make is to think that as soon as we get married we should have everything that mama and daddy have. That's one of the greatest mistakes you can make. You begin to think that all the cars and, you know, the nice triple-wide trailer, double-wide trailer, the nice 2,000-square-foot home is what makes a successful marriage. But you know that's not the case. Just go on church visitation every once in a while and knock on those 3,000-square-foot 3, home doors and just see what's going on on the inside. You hear some of the most bitter cursing? And some of the most dissatisfied people living on, on the inside. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the truth. That, that, that's not how you build a house. You don't build a house on education. Yeah. You say, Brother Nathan, education's important. It is. But without God, it's damnation. Yeah. It'll destroy you. Yeah. It'll mess you up. Just get away from God. You can't build. You can't build 
a, a good home on education. I know a lot of parents have invested so much in education that they have neglected so many other things, particularly spiritual things. Well, you know, I want my kids, you know, to learn reading, writing, and arithmetic, and they do that to such the extent that all of the emphasis is put on temporal things. And listen, it is important that you know how to read. If for no other reason you got a Bible sitting in your lap and you need to know what it says yourself. You don't, you don't want some preacher to stand up and constantly say, well, the Bible says this. The Bible. You need to open it up and read it yourself. So you need to know how to read. You do need to know how to add so you can figure out whether you're being cheated or not. Yes, sir. You need to know those things. But listen, not, not to the extent to where you put off the importance of spiritual things. You've got to build your house. Listen, it not only has an effect on eternity, it has an effect on what's going on right now. You've got to build your home on the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me say this, you can't build your home on fun. Successful houses, successful homes are not built on entertainment. Hey, listen, I know it's going to come as the most abrasive shock that you've ever heard in your life, but you do not have to have fun. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Get it all that you can get, but you don't have to have it. Can I ask you one thing? Because I'm, I'm, I'm going to, whether you let me or not. When God made Adam and Eve and put them in a garden, was that not a perfect setup? As before sin entered into the world, what entertainment did Adam have? You know what he had? He had something to do and somebody to love. That's all he had. He had his wife, he had a job, and he had fellowship with his God. Amen. Yeah. So Brother Nathan, I, just, I can't do without all this fun. Okay, go have some fun. All I'm saying is don't feel like you've got to have it 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. I intend on having some fun myself this, this coming week. Not much, because I hate fun. I'm just kidding. But... You see what I'm saying? You're not going to build a successful home. Oh, Brother Nathan, I'm just not having a good time. Well, boy, just make that the, the, the pursuit of your life, and let's see how your home turns out. Hey, Brother Clint, just emphasize fun 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and let's see how long he remains in church after he turns 18. Because, you know, quite frankly, I realize I watch your face during church, and I realize sometimes being at church ain't fun. <laughs> Especially, especially when you've been working all day on Wednesday. Especially when you've been coming to church uh, for six days in a row. And Sunday night, boy, it's, hey, can you cut this short because you're cutting into my bedtime. I, I get it. But see, you just, just emphasize, just emphasize. Fun, fun, fun. Entertainment. Got to watch a movie. Got to watch a video screen. Got to constantly be entertained. And let's see how long you ch your children stay in church after they turn 18. Hey, listen. Uh, fellas, husbands, just emphasize fun. Uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And let's see how interested your wife stays in church. A lot of fellas have lost their wives. Uh, just totally mark out the kids. Let's ignore the kids for a second. A lot of fellows have lost their wives because of the emphasis of the home. That's true. That's true. You do realize that you can, you, you can be an influence in your house. You do realize that. You don't have to browbeat that lady. She will listen. 
I have met a couple of ladies that I wondered whether or not they was listening to their husbands, but those are few and far between. I say few and far between. They're not many. I haven't met many of them. I'll just leave it at that. Most of the time, a woman will listen to her husband. She might think it's stupid, but she'll listen. She's paying attention to the emphasis that you give. I guarantee you that. I guarantee you that. You've got to have the right foundation. Let's move on. I don't want to make this sermon very long. Uh, that was a lie. Forgive me, Lord. I don't mind long sermons, but I know some of y'all wore out. Oh, you've got to have the right materials if you're going to build a house. You've got to have the right foundation. You've got to have the right materials. Uh, I don't recommend building a house out of sand. I don't recommend building a house out of matches. I think there was a nursery rhyme about that one time. Little pig, little pig, three little pigs. You know, this one fella builds his house out of straw. That's a bad idea for a house. Don't do that. One pig builds his house out of matches. Bad idea. One pig builds his house out of bricks. That's a good idea. That'll work. Well, you've got to have the right materials. Well, you know what makes up a home? Typically, typically, I know there's exceptions, but there's a mama and a daddy, and hopefully there's children. That makes up. Let me just lay into this for a second. There's mama, and there's daddy, and there's children. Mama, daddy, children. There's not two mamas. There's not two daddies. God's arrangement for a home is not a husband and two mamas. It's a mama a daddy, and children. Amen. Just let that sink in for a second. God, that's God's arrangement. That's the way God set it up. God did, and when you, have, when you get ready to make a house, the quality of the materials that you build with is going to determine the quality of the house. If you get two by fours that are bowed and twisted, you're going to have, you, you can do it. But you're going to have a hard time making a good house. Those of you that have ever tried to build something before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've got to sit there and twist those things and make sure they're right. If you get shingles that's all torn to pieces, there's a good possibility you're going to have a roof that leaks. Go get you some used tin. You're going to have to silicone those holes where the nails or the screws were beforehand. Well, if you start out with good quality materials, you'll have a better quality building by the time you get done. There's a mama, there's a daddy, and there's children. Amen. You know why a lot of homes are falling apart? Poor quality material. Yep, yep, yep. Poor daddies. Yep, yep. And listen, let's just start right there. And let's, let's, let's just start right there. Before we hit the women, before we hit the children, let's start with the daddies. Let's start with me. Let's start with you fellas. Yep. And listen, when there's problems in your home, I, re, I, I, I believe the right attitude to take is say, God, what about me? And I, I believe, I believe that there's a lot of men that I've seen that have taken that attitude. And maybe you get shown later on down the road that, hey, maybe this is not entirely your fault. But it's always good to give yourself to that self-examination for humility's sake, if nothing else. It's necessary. It's necessary. That's where a lot of the trouble comes in in the home to begin with is just lack of humility. Boy, that's true. You know, there's not been one argument. I know it's hard to believe that me and Heidi would argue. Because we're angels. We're perfect. No. But every argument that we've ever had, you know, you boil it right down. And you know where it ties back to? Pride. Pride. Usually on her end, but sometimes on mine. 
<laughs> you get to say stupid stuff like that when you preach. No, it's me. It's me. Usually where the pride is is on my behalf. It's kind of hard to argue with somebody that's got some humility about them. Sincere humility. Not just lip service humility, but sincere humility. It's, it's very difficult. Yes, sir. You can talk about uh, the quality of mothers. Uh, let me tell you who doesn't make a good mother. I'm waiting to see if everybody's on edge. I'm not going to give you a name. You thought I was going to tell you a name. No. Proverbs chapter 7. The strange woman in Proverbs chapter 7. The lady who's got an attire of a harlot. The lady who's, who's hanging out by the street signs instead of back at the house. Did you know, listen, did you know that it's very hard? Boy, I know this will probably cut across the grain, but it'll just have to cut. Uh, I don't believe that a woman can't work a job. I don't believe that a woman has to be locked in prison all day. I don't believe those things. But, you know, I've seen some gals that were mothers that hated being at home. You said, Brother Nathan, how do you know that they hated at home? They was never there. I mean, just logical deduction. I take it that they hated it at home. Why? They was never there. Do you go to places that you don't like to be at? What about you, Brother Michael? Do you like to go to places that... Do you ever go to places you don't like to be at? Well, well if you don't ever go to your house, I just take it for granted that you don't like to be there. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. So when a lady don't ever go home, I take it for granted that she don't like to be there. Hey, that goes the same way for fellas. Yeah. For a husband. Hey, fellas, I know you love to hunt and fish, and God bless you, catch all the deer, catch all the deer and shoot all the fish you want. Uh, you do all that stuff, but at some time you should go home during hunting season. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. Especially if all you're hunting with is a bunch of drunkards. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Go home. Your wife is not drunk, is she? If she is, you, you bring her to church and we'll preach about drinking. Uh, but... No, sir. Go home, go home to a lady that's got some sense. Go home to an individual that's got some sense. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. That's pretty good preaching even if I'm doing it. Yes, sir. Just having a mama and a daddy and some children is not necessarily a house. That's, that's material for a house. But you really need to have some good quality material. And listen, I say this. We hit mama and daddy. Let's talk about the kids. Did you know that children can destroy a home? That's very possible. Did you know that you youngins, you youngins sitting in here, you can absolutely destroy what your mom and daddy's trying to do for you. You can tear it to shreds. I've lived in one of those houses before. Yes, sir. You can absolutely just destroy everything that your mom and daddy trying to build for you. You see people like Miss Ruth stand up here and sing, I have a goodly heritage. And Miss Ruth stand up here and talk about, you know, the heritage that her daddy and her mama has left for. Of course, they're not, they're not passed away yet. I hope God blesses them for, with many more years as long as God sees fit. But, you know, Miss Ruth stand up here and talk about that stuff. And I kind of wonder what goes on in the hearts and minds of some of the youngins sitting in here. I hope that you'd really... Wanting to have something like that. Did you know that you can take that and just throw it right down the tubes? Just destroy it. Just, just break it in, into smithereens. Absolutely. You know, I got a suspicion. I got a suspicion. Listen, some of, you, some of you kids sit in here and you throw stones at your mom and daddy and maybe there's stones to be thrown at them. 
But I got a suspicion that maybe some of the trouble in your house, if you're having trouble, I got a suspicion maybe that some of the trouble is not all on mom and daddy's, on mom and daddy's head. It's on the youngins. You ever tried to talk to a person that's as stubborn as a mule? Boy, I wasn't looking, I wasn't making eye contact with anybody, so don't get so quiet. It's very difficult. It's very difficult to deal with folks like that. And you know what some mamas and daddies are dealing with is kids that are stubborn as a mule. They know everything. They talk in church. They pass notes in church. They don't pay attention to what the preacher's saying. Did you know that God can deal with you the same way that he deals with your mama and daddy? Mom and daddy sitting in here and getting under conviction about things. You can get under conviction about things. Mom and daddy sit here and get encouraged about things. You could be encouraged about things just the same way. The same God that is able to deal with somebody that's in their 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s. Boy, the older you get, the harder headed you get. Ain't that right? The older you get, the more set in your ways you get. Well, some of you teenagers have gotten to the place to where you're 70. You just ain't got 70 in your body yet. You're just hard-headed. You know everything. You know everything. And listen, I'm not going to be so hard on you and stomp you in the dirt as far as my attitude goes because I remember what that was like. I remember what it's like, man. The older you get into your teenage years and you start to find some newfound liberty, right? You start to find some newfound liberty and you start taking advantage of that. But boy, there's this constant temptation there to look at mama and daddy and say, they just don't understand. They don't realize. But they realize a whole lot more than what you give them credit for. They really do. They really do. Well, they don't understand all the stuff I'm going through. Uh, That's a recipe for bitterness. It really is because they really do understand. They may not understand all these technological gadgets that you have access to all this trash and stupidity. They they may not understand all that stuff, but they dealt with the same stuff that you kids deal with, young folks. Absolutely, that's true. Hey, you got to have good quality. I just really, Brother Nathan, I just really don't like my house. Well, some of it's on you kids. You're the troublemakers. Where are you parents at? I I would really like to hear some of you parents like, Yeah! Get them! It's true. It's true. It's true. Oh, Brother Nathan, uh, this fella, this daddy should have a whole lot more sense. Well, you know, he's probably doing the best that he can. Maybe not. Maybe not. But he's probably doing the best that he can. You know what really blows me away, Brother Chris? A lot of the fellas that sit in church, they got saved off the streets. Their kids got saved while they're sitting in church like I did. I got, I, got, I got saved at seven years old. My mom and daddy had already gotten saved. My mom was a second generation Christian. On that side, I'm a third generation. My daddy was saved in the Navy, 19 years old. And so I'm a second generation on my daddy's side, second generation Christian. I think there's a lot more expected out of me than out of my, my daddy. I should, I should be able to catch on a lot faster than my daddy did. I got a big head start. So before you get upset with a daddy that got saved off the streets, 
before you get upset with a mama who come from a really rough background, I'd shut your mouth. Let me give you the Greek. Shut up. Quit complaining. Realize. Realize. Oh, they don't do this right. They don't do that right. Okay, maybe they don't. Really? Maybe they don't. But cut them a break. They've been cutting you breaks ever since you was born. you got to start... You want a good house? You want a good house? You want a good house? You want to build a good home? You got to start with good quality materials. They're going to come a day. They're going to come a day to where your mama and daddy is going to look back and there ain't going to be no youngins at the house. Some folks sitting in the back that's there already. Both, both youngins is here, but, but they're, they flew the coop. But you know, the memories that of whether or not they had to fight with you guys or whether or not it was a breeze to raise you guys, that's really up to y'all. You could, you could set it up. And that, that's just an example because that's a family that's sitting here. But you know, that really is true. Some parents, the only thing, the only memory that they have is God have mercy. What a trial it was trying to raise this bozo kid. We tried to take them to church every time the doors were open, but they caused nothing but ever living torment for us the whole time we was trying to take them. It's up to you. It really is up to you. Or you could have them look back. You could have them look back and say, boy, me and my wife were so stupid, but my kids were in were a breeze to deal with. Thank God. That would be the thing to do if you're not self-centered. But some of you may be so self-centered you don't give a rip about that stuff. And I pity you. I really pity you. You could have your mama and daddy at a family reunion 20 years after you're married and go back and have great, sweet fellowship. See, I realize, I realize, some, some, some teenagers, some kids, what the only thing they're looking at is right now. Right now. Right now. And you're getting ready to bust your, bust your head wide open. Give it 20 years after you get married, and then try to go back to a family reunion and have that awkwardness sitting there between your mom and daddy because you raised hell the whole time you was at home. I never got out and drank. I never got out and smoked. I never got out and did anything. that. I, yeah, but you had a sour attitude the whole time you was at home. You don't know what I was going through. I don't care what you was going through. What I'm talking about is you have the potential to do something about the quality of the house that you're living in. You have it right now. It's on you. It really is on you. I hope you take it to heart. I'm not trying to tell you that because I'm, I'm against you. I'm, I'm on your side. It's a miracle that I have the ability to go home right now and sit down with my mom and daddy and have the fellowship that I have. It's a miracle. It really is a miracle. But I'm able to. That's the grace of God. It really is the grace of God. But I made some decisions. I made a lot of bad, dumb decisions. But I, I made that decision and that was right. You've got to have the right material. You've got to have a right kind of daddy. You've got to have the right kind of mama. But you've got to have the right kind of kids. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Yes, sir. Let me say this. I'm going to move on to my next point. Would you kids be on your mom and daddy's side? Because they're on yours. Looking around in here and looking at, maybe some of you kids come from homes to where maybe your mom and daddy's, uh, maybe not much to speak for. Maybe. Maybe. But you know, the folks that are bringing you to church and the folks that are investing something in your life, when they get onto you, the wrong thing to do. When they correct you, the wrong thing to do is to cop an attitude with them. That is the dumbest thing you can do. Because they're doing it for your benefit. You say, well, they don't do it with the greatest attitude. Okay, pause. You mamas and daddies do it with a better attitude. Okay, now let's get back to the kids. Shut up and just take it. Go clean your room. If you're 17 years old and you're still doing this, you missed out on about 1,500 whoopings. You should be mature enough. You should be mature. Mature. I just want everybody to treat me like an adult. Act like one, stupid. <laughs> Don't I make just good sense? It's true. Good quality. Good quality. Children. Good quality. Children. Good quality children. Well, my mom and dad don't know how to raise kids. Okay, you got a Bible. You got a Bible. You got a Bible. You got a Bible. You got a Bible, man. Open it up and read it and find out what kids are supposed to do. Quit, quit being a victim. Quit, quit being a victim. You say, Brother Nathan, you're excusing my parents for being sorry parents. No, I'm trying to help you. Because you're going to have sorry boss men. You're going to have sorry policemen that give you tickets for speeding when there's dope heads in town. Take responsibility and say, you know what? I don't want to be an idiot for the rest of my life even though there's sorry people living around me. I'm going to do something to improve my situation. Or just sit there and suck your thumb and be a grump the whole time and come to church looking like you're sucking on lemons and persimmons. The choice is yours. But man, you're going to be a failure in life if you don't get over that victim mentality. Whether you realize it or not, that's some of the greatest encouragement you've heard in a long time. It really is. Yes, sir. All right. You've got to have good material. You know what else you've got to have? You've got to have order. You've got to have order. Uh, how many of you fellows have ever tried to build a house starting with the roof first? That don't work too well, does it? No, you've got to put things in order. You've got to start by digging footers. Pouring concrete, or you got to dig holes for posts to go into, and then create your, your floor, create your little base for your floor, and then you put the walls on, and then you, put, you might put the sheathing on next, but you got to start with the walls one way or another, and then you put your roof on. You don't start with the roof first. Now, there's an order. There's a God-ordained order. There's a God-ordained order. Daddy first. That's the head. That's the head of the home. And then mama. And then the children. It's not daddy, children, mama. It's not mama, daddy, children. It's not children, mama, and daddy. It's daddy, mama, children. That's God's. That's God's order. You say, I don't like that order. Then you're, gonna ha- you're setting yourself up for failure. Listen, I can't come down and make you do anything. I'm just telling you the way that God set it up. God said, 
husbands, wives, children. Now you got the right foundation. You got to build on the right foundation. You can have that order, but if you don't have the right foundation, this order is not going to help you out a whole lot. But if you got the right foundation, Jesus Christ, and then we start with Daddy, which that means Daddy. We start from the foundation and build up, right? So then that means Daddy's on the bottom. Daddy's the base. So Daddy sets the temperature. Daddy sets the tone. Daddy sets the rules. And then Mama comes along. Mama's on top of Daddy. She's, she uh, supports those rules. She, she holds up those rules. And she says, no, this is the way that it's going to be. And then the children come along and say, yes, ma'am. They say, yes, sir. And they go along. What happens if they don't agree with it? Then they're going to have to deal with it until they're willing to pay their own bills. But the better way to go is to learn to submit yourself to it. You can grit your teeth and you can bear it. Or you can submit yourself and humble yourself. And what will happen is you'll actually turn out loving to live there. You know why I left home? I left home because I got married. I left home for about three months because I was in college and my mom and dad moved and I had to finish my semester of college. When I finished my semester, I moved back in with my mom and daddy. You know why I moved in back with my mom and daddy? Because I wanted to. I didn't have to. I was working a job, paying my own bills. I was living with somebody. They were letting me get established, get on my feet. But I just wanted to move back in with my mom and daddy. I enjoyed being in their house. If I wasn't married, I'd probably live with my mom and daddy still. You said, Brother Nathan, that's weird. I like my mom and daddy that much. I just really do. It could be that way. I really believe in a sense it's supposed to be that way. I really do. Maybe not living at home in your mom and daddy's basement when you're 40 years old. You probably do need to spread your wings and fly a little bit. But you can like your mom and daddy that much. I don't understand this attitude. Boy, I really don't understand this attitude of kids looking at their mama and daddy with an attitude of uh, despicableness. Despising mama and daddy. I don't, I don't understand that, and I don't want to. Please don't explain it to me. Because I'm afraid that what you have is contagious. Children come after the parents. The wife comes after the husband. It's not a justification of self-centeredness, fellas. It's not a justification of self-centeredness. Uh, mothers, wives, that's not, it's not a, just, a statement of self-justification. It's a statement of order. It's just a statement. This is the way that God set it up. Amen. Got to have order. You know what else you got to have? You got to have labor. You want to have a good home? My soul, you got to work at it. You got to wake up today and you got to work at it. And then you're going to go to bed tonight and it feels like everything that you got done today is going to be undone. And then you're going to have to work at it tomorrow. You're going to have to probably slap Johnny on the hand. And then tomorrow you're going to have to wake up and slap Johnny on the hand again for the same stupid thing. You know why? You know why you have to slap him on the hand for the same stupid thing? Because he's just like you. (laughs) My kids are just like me. Why do I have to tell you again? And I'm looking in the mirror. Because they're just like me. 
It's going to take work. 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 Building a house is going to take labor. You know what that means? That translates to a lot of sweat. You know what sweat is? Some of you fellas like to sweat. You're weird. You're weird. No, I, I get it. I, I do understand that. I, I enjoy sweating. I just don't enjoy the smell that comes along with it, regardless of what Brother Mike says. I am taking showers every day. If that makes me backslid, call Brother Mike and tell him I'm backslid. <laughs> Some of y'all grieved about that. Our preacher's a sissy. Okay. Uh, whatever. Well, I think you understand I'm kidding, but I am taking a shower every day. Uh, Labor translates to sweat. Sweat translates to discomfort. It translates to discomfort. Uh, I preached a message not too long ago. I was talking about, you know, going to bed nasty. Boy, that's one of the most uncomfortable feelings ever. Sweat all day and try to call, crawl into clean sheets. Man, it's almost like a moral contradiction right there. You've got to take a shower before you go to bed. You say, why? Well, it's uncomfortable being nasty. It's uncomfortable sweating. Why are you sweating? Not so bad. But once you sweat and then sit down, boy, there's something greasy feeling about that, ain't it? It's just nasty feeling. That's what labor entails. Discomfort. You know why kids don't like to work? Let me find all the kids. You know why kids don't like to work? It's uncomfortable. That's why a lot of adults don't like to work. And they never, they never had somebody breathing down their neck saying, you're going to have to get used to this because this is the way it's going to be for the rest of your life. Now listen, I, I'm not preaching about that, but I will say this. If you've got a mama or daddy breathing down your neck all the time saying, you're going to have to get used to this, you should consider yourself very fortunate. You're living in the age of welfare. Everybody's got everything handed to them. And it's destroying American society. It's crippling them. But building a home's the same way. Require, it's going to take a lot of discomfort. You're going to have to be willing to deal with the discomfort. Sometimes mom and daddy's going to disagree. Sometimes the parents and the kids are going to disagree. Did you realize that? I know that's hard to believe, but sometimes the kids and the parents are going to disagree. You say, what is that? That's an uncomfortable situation. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to take lots of sweat, lots of discomfort. Yes, sir. You're going to, listen, you're going to destroy your home by demanding to be comfortable all the time. Yes, sir. And it's going to take, it's going to take sweat. What's the saying? Sweat, blood, and it's going to take lots of blood. I'm a, li I'm a little bit uh, willing to part with some sweat. Blood, not so much. My blood comes at a high price. You say, what's the price? Passing out. <laughs> uh, it's not quite that bad. But boy, if I start bleeding, you know, I mean, if it's a little scratch, I can deal with it. But boy, uh, my kids start bleeding and Heidi's like, are you hurt? No. Uh, let, let me get my phone. I got to take a picture. Amen. This is really weird. This is, this is really strange. I mean, when somebody's bleeding, the first thought in my mind is call the ambulance. The first thought in Heidi's mind is, let me get my phone. Y'all pray for my wife. That's a little bit strange. Well, I'm a little bit unwilling to part with blood. You know what blood is in the Bible? It's a picture of sacrifice. You know why some homes never get built? Nobody is willing to sacrifice. 
I have a right to this. Okay. What now? I'm the head of my home. It's going to be this way. Does it have to be that way? Does it have to be? Hey, if God says it, okay. It's got to be that way. There, there's no give on that, but is that just a preference that you have? If it's a preference, why could it not be her way? And I, I'll even, a boy treading on thin ice, I'll even go so far as to say this. Hey, if it's just a preference, why couldn't it be the kid's way? If it's a preference, if it's what God said, that's not matters of preference. And kids should be able to trust their mamas and daddies when they say, no, that's what God said. They should be able to trust mamas and daddies. But I will say to you, mamas and daddies, if it's really just a matter of preference, why could it not every once in a while just be, sure, we can do that. I don't think that's going to hurt anything. I think you're mature enough to figure that stuff out when it would harm and when it wouldn't. But let them make some decisions every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I wasn't raised that way. Well, look at the, how you turned out. Do you want them to turn out the same way? <laughs> uh, that's true. That's true. That's true. Sacrifice. 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 I can have this. I can have that. Well, maybe you need to give some of that stuff up. Be willing to anyway. And then you're going to have lots of tears. You're going to build a house through lots of tears. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about laboring to build your house. There are going to be a lot of tears. I, I made mention a minute ago, uh, let, let your kids do some things sometimes that really tear your heart out. Say some things that they shouldn't say. Treat each other the way that they shouldn't treat each other. Hey, you kids look up here at me for just a second. You know who some of the meanest people in the, on the face of the earth are? It's you youngins. And, and it's not that y'all are mean to each, to each other. You know, when it comes to this guy dealing with this guy over here, this guy dealing with this guy over here, I'm talking about cross families. That's usually not where the meanness shows. It's usually to people in your own family. It's your own brothers and sisters. You're ruthless. Let me say it this way so I'm speaking your language. You're jerks. And it not, ought not to be that way. If you're going to be a jerk to somebody, I recommend being a jerk to somebody that's not part of your family. I don't recommend that. We're going to have to break up a fight after church tonight. You can be nice to everybody. You can be nice to everybody. Except those of your own household. That don't make no sense. It, it don't make no sense. But let me get back to what I was trying to say. You're going to build your house. There's going to be lots of, lots, lots of crying. Lots of crying. Lot, lots of tears. Uh, maybe, not from broken, maybe not from a broken heart. Listen, maybe not from a broken heart, but maybe failed expectations. Your kids are probably not, uh, talk to your parents, your kids are probably not going to measure up to every expectation that you have for them. You don't have to fly off the handle every time. Maybe you will. Maybe you will have to every once in a while. But I tell you, the better thing you could do is break away and cry. I'll tell you something that would be what I believe would be real effective. What would be real effective. Get that little youngin by the arm 
and come down to an altar somewhere, sorry, come down to an altar somewhere and get on your knees and have a conversation with them and say, look, I really am concerned about this thing that I see. And have a, have a decent conversation like two human beings and then say, I want to pray with you about this because I'm really worried. Amen. Thank you, UFC. You know what's killing a lot of homes? You know what's killing a lot of homes? People, people never pray with their kids no more. Let me just ask you, have your kids ever seen you pray with them? Have they ever had you pray with them? You ever prayed with them in church? How many of y'all remember uh, Brother Mooberry came? He, he was a missionary to... Uh, He's a missionary to Brazil. You know what that fellow told me? He's raised in a preacher's home. He's raised in a preacher's home. You know what he told me? He said, my daddy or mother never shared the plan of salvation with me. Preacher's home. Never told me how to be saved. Why is it that we can talk to our kids about everything else other than spiritual things? My soul. That ain't how you build a home. I know that. I know that, boy. You've got to have some labor. Well, you know, Brother Nathan, my kids don't know anything about, about the Bible. Have you explained anything to them about the Bible? Well, Brother Nathan, they, they go through a Becca homeschool. They'll get it in a Becca. That's not a Becca's responsibility. It's yours. They go through ACE homeschool. They'll get it there. That's not their responsibility. Maybe they will. Maybe they will. But you know, if your kids grow up biblically ignorant, really a large portion of that responsibility is on you. Man, that's so true. And then let me say this. Know-how. You've got to have a foundation. You've got to have good material. You've got to have material. It needs to be good material. You've got to have order. You've got to have some labor. House don't just materialize by itself overnight. And then let me say, you got to have some know-how. You know what you got to have? You got to have a set of blueprints. Yeah. You got to have a set of blueprints. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So, brother Nathan, I don't, I don't know how to build a house. You got the blueprints right here. Yeah. You know what you've got? You've got an entire set of his, historical events that show you how to build a house and how not to build a house. It's all right in here. And it's just waiting for, for you to read it. That's all it's doing. This will show you. you got the know-how. You've, you, you've got the know-how sitting right in your lap. Uh, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 1, the Bible says, Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. You know what it takes? It takes wisdom to build a house. You know what a large part of wisdom is? It's the ability to tell the difference between things that are right and things that are wrong. Things that are good, things that are evil. Listen, you want to build your house, you got to be able, you got to be able to look at things and say, that's not good. That's good. Laying out of church on Wednesday night for softball, you got to be able to say, that's not wise. That's not good. You got to be able to recognize those things. You can build your house. You can build your house. I got a bunch more notes. Let me, let me give you the closing statement here. Let me, let me give this to you. Let me just ask you a question in closing. By this time next year, 
Where are you going to be in building your house? September. I forgot what month it was. September 10th. By this time next year, is your house going to be better or is it going to be worse? And if it's going to be better, how's it going to be better? Is it going to be better because you have edified a house? You thought I forgot about the definition. A house, it's a building or an edifice. That's what we read the definition. It's an edifice. Edification. To build up. Edify. To build up. Is your house going to be better because of something that's been added to it or something that's been taken away? Let me tell you what I mean. Brother Michael, if I came to you, if I came to you and said, I want to make your house better. Oh, yeah, okay, make my house better. Here's how I'm going to make your house better. I'm going to load your kitchen up with dynamite, and I'm going to blow your kitchen right off the side of your house. I don't know. I don't remember where your kitchen is. I think I've seen it one time, but I don't remember. We're going to blow the kitchen right off the side of your house, and I'm not even going to put up a wall to close off the gaping hole. You'd probably listen to that and think, that's not better. You're going to take something away, and you're not going to close the hole. You're going to take something away and not put it in its place. That's not an upgrade. Some of you ladies might be shouting the victory right now. Woohoo! Going out to eat every night. Boy, I get tired of that. That's not building your house. But see, I took something away, right? If I came into your house and said, I want to make your house better, I'm going to take out every bathroom that you have in your house. Oh, I just built an outhouse. No, 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 no. We're just going to take away every bathroom that you have in your house. That's not making a house better. Let me ask you something, parents. You going to make your house better? Is your house going to be better? I'm talking about in your mind and from your perspective. Is your house going to be better when all them greasy kids get out of your house? Man, I just can't wait for the day when all these kids are gone. Is that what's required to make your house better? That, that, that don't even make sense. You're taking something away. That's not a house that's built up. Brother Nathan, they get married. I understand all that stuff. But you know, a lot of parents are sitting back and saying, I can't wait for the day that my kid turns 18. Man, you got something messed up in your rationale. You got something messed up in the way that you're looking at life. That is not the right way to look at things. You should be trying to figure out, look, my, my kids are at, on the verge of turning 18, and I'm afraid that they're going to leave and never come back. They don't have to live with you. But if 18 comes and there's a break in fellowship because, thank God, they're gone. Something not right with the way that you're looking at things. That is not an edifice. That is not edification. So, Brother Nathan, my kids are just so hard to deal with. Then I would recommend finding a place at an altar somewhere. Here is a good place to start. But go home and find an altar at your house and say, God, help me to do something different. Help me to figure out where I'm making a mess out of things to where it's not a relief for my kids to leave. But let me put it to you like this. Let me put it to you like this. This is really abrasive. And I, I really am done. This is really abrasive and abrasive thought. Brother Clint, which, which one of your two kids would you rather see die so that your house could be better? Neither one of them. That's a dumb question, ain't it? But it illustrates my point. 
That's a dumb question. But that's about the attitude that some parents have about their kids leaving. Oh, Johnny's got to leave before we can really have a better house. Why? Let me ask you something. Ain't this the house of God? What if we as the house of God took that attitude about you? That's not God's heart. You know, people do leave. But that's not God's choice. That's people's choice. And you know, your kids may leave your house and they may never look back. But boy, that is not, that is not, that should not be your choice. It shouldn't be your choice. It shouldn't be your choice. It shouldn't be your, it shouldn't be my choice. They're gone. Never going to see them again. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? Boy, I'd, I'd find a place and get on an altar and say, God, help me. God, forgive me for the bad attitude that I have. Hey, some of you kids maybe need to get on an altar tonight and say, God, help me. Help me. I'm sorry, Lord, that I've created, created a situation to where my parents have to look at me that way. I believe we got a lot of help. I believe I got a lot of help during this revival. I believe some of you got a lot of help in revival. But some of you may not have gotten anything. And you know why? Because you think you're going to get help here before you get things straightened out at home. And I guarantee you, what's really messing some of you up as far as sabotaging the effect of God being able to deal with you is because you're not right with one another down at your house. I hope that's not the case. I hope I'm just throwing a rock in the dark and nobody's getting I hope that's the case, but I doubt it. I doubt it. Listen, I'm telling you, there's a God that's ready to forgive and there's a God that's ready to pull out a Bible and say, now this is the way that you do it. Here's the order. It's going to take you a lot of work, but I'll be with you every step of the way. Lord, I pray you help us tonight. God, I pray that you deal with hearts, Lord. God, help us, Lord, with these things. God, I, Lord, uh, trying to build a house, God, is one of the, Lord, other than, uh, Lord, trying to be a Christian. Lord, just trying to build a house, Lord, is one of the most challenging endeavors, God, that we've ever gone through. God, I pray you help us. God, I pray you help us, Lord. Help us tonight, God. I pray you speak to hearts, God. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Hey, parents, maybe, maybe I could make a recommendation to you. Maybe what you need to do is grab some of your youngins and pull them up next to you and pray with them for the first time in your life. Maybe that's what you need to do. I don't know, but I, I'd encourage you. Follow, follow God. Let the Lord deal with your heart. Follow Him.